Yeah, I know there's I know there's a stay-at-home order. No, I'm not at home. I'm in the office. I gotta work. I can go to work. Other people can go to work. Yeah, the stay-at-home thing. Right, yeah. So, listen, uh, the emergency brake is on. What? No, the emergency... The, the emergency... No, not the car. The emer... We'll work it out later. Okay, fine. Somebody's been eating salmon in my office. I don't know who's been in there or not. Uh, hey, how are you on this absolutely beautiful April the 8th? It is uh, season two, episode 14 of Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. That would be moi. Uh, we would also like to uh, welcome back to the program Gail's Gas Bars, who fuels this program and has done so from uh, the inception. Our other sponsors today, Verge Insurance Group, Simpsons Pharmacy, Pharmacies in Virgil, Niagara on the Lake, uh, and, uh, and of course, um, Kevin, help me out. We stream Kevin Jack, who is behind the, uh, the, the camera right now, and uh, we will get to all of our sponsors as we go. We're going into Fiddler's Poorhouse here right now. As you can tell, we are headed into summertime. One of the most controversial attractions in Niagara, Marineland, is uh, back in the news, uh, this time in a very good way. Natalie B. Beau is going to be joining us, the filmmaker that put that whole thing together in a, in a few minutes. So uh, come on in and join us, and uh, we'll head into Fiddlers here. And of course, welcome to the new shutdown, the new stay-at-home order is in place. So Kevin and I are on our own here at Fiddler's Poorhouse because, unfortunately, like all the other service industries like barbershops and restaurants, i.e. here, we're closed down, other than uh, Kevin and I, who are kind of sort of uh, anti-socially distanced. <laughs> we don't really like each other much, so we stay far apart. We'll be back in just a sec. Welcome into the show. Performance, heating, and air. I apologize uh, for leaving you out of our uh, introduction on the streets there. But uh, you'll see Performance, Heating, and Air, Simpsons Pharmacy, Virgin Insurance Group, and of course, Niagara 411 Live, fueled by Gales Gas Bars, our primary title sponsor here on the program. And also, as always, uh, a tip of the fedora to Nick and all of you contributors to Niagara 411. We share content and uh, publicity uh, information, et cetera, with, uh, with Nick and all of you who are kind enough to contribute to the site as well as this program. And keep in mind, you can contribute to the program. You see that line right at the bottom of your screen there. All you have to do is click the Zoom link in the post and uh, that'll take you into our Zoom room. Make sure your camera's clicked on and uh, Kevin will make sure that you get onto the program. You will see on the right side of your screen the here we go again message. The Ontario-wide stay-at-home order officially announced it took place, uh, I should say took effect, at 12.01 uh, a.m. 
today. And here we go again. Now, as always is the case with these, thing, these things, there is much debate as to, well, this doesn't make sense, or, well, well, finally, that makes sense, and then, well, I don't know, why didn't they do it this way, because that doesn't make sense. I'm having a feeling, and I've said this to many people we, uh, in social situations, in conversations, etc., that if you're trying to make everything make sense as we go through this, your head is going to hurt uh, till wave number four. I mean, it's just, you can't, you can't try to make serious sense out of everything. So, here you go. There it is. Everything uh, laid out in front of you. Information accurate as of yesterday at 4.15 in the p.m. Indoor, only allowed with your own household or with one other household if they live alone or if you live alone. Outside, five people max, socially distanced, but again, you're supposed to be with the household. That doesn't make sense. Okay, I get it. Uh, animal service, vets, groomings, uh, groomers, etc. open. Childcare open unless limited by any regional specifics, i.e. you've got to go onto the regional site here in Niagara to do that. Essential stores, you can buy groceries, cleaning supplies, pharmacy items, personal care, and pet supplies. Okay, so this is one of the things Oh, the LCBO is open, so just that would be one of the first things on your, on your question list, I'm sure. Um, now, the aisles of non-essential items will be, are supposed to be closed, even in the big box stores. This is something, uh, Kevin, that's a bit different than it was the last time, or Waves 1 and 2, because the big box stores did sell essential items, but you were also allowed to buy non-essential items when you went into those stores. Now, it is not the case, correct? Uh, absolutely correct, Lee, and we've got the video evidence coming up. Yeah. Costco, St. Catharines, open today. I went in there this morning to get some footage. I was expecting it to be a total S-show. Uh, people everywhere, no social distancing. Right. That's not what I saw. Now, and the, we'll get to the video coming up. But yeah, aisles were blocked off yeah. for the non-essentials. Uh, I didn't really, I, I was in quickly. Just shooting a video, so I didn't get a sense as to what the store has versus what the old store had versus right. what Niagara Falls. Yeah, what's or the difference Creek between has. the so-called uh, consumer store and the business center and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know, but we got the video coming up here shortly. Okay, now uh, also on that list were things like uh, golf courses, outdoors, outdoor recreation playgrounds, golf courses, driving ranges, and courts are open. There will be those that say, "What?" and I understand that. As I mentioned off the top, if you are trying to make common sense out of all of this, it is a futile enterprise. There are things that just will never make sense. Restaurants are closed. Yes, we know. Takeout, drive-through, deliver only. Religious, weddings, funerals, 15% capacity. Schools are open unless closed by regional medical offices. And uh, that's a really good way for the province to be able to uh, get out from under the heat lamp because they don't want to make that decision. As you know, some regions in the GTA have closed their schools. I think Peel is, uh, is one of them. And uh, the Toronto School Board just 
passed a motion last night, if I remember hearing it correctly this morning, that they also want to follow suit and close all of the schools in under the uh, Toronto District School Board auspices. Uh, workplaces. Now, agriculture, construction, film, landscaping, manufacturing, transport, etc. are uh, going to be running as per, well, dare we say usual. No, not usual. And I'm assuming, Kevin, that that does mean, excuse me, Oh my goodness, excuse me. Uh, no, it was not a COVID sneeze. It's a, we have the beautiful window <laughs> open here on St. Paul Street. It was probably an allergy sneeze. I'm okay. Sheesh. Well, you got a guilty look upon your well, face. Well, we're going to get, you know, as, as know. they used to say back in the old days, keep those cards and letters coming in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but as part of the announcement, I believe... Kevin, it didn't say it on that list there. We have garden centers that have now all fueled up for spring. You couldn't very well shut them down. I don't. I, I, I think the province would just explode if that happened. But as I understand it, garden centers will still remain open. They'll probably have a certain percentage of capacity. You'll have to line up. But I'll have to uh, check in with my man Johnny over at uh, Niagara Nurseries. Yeah, yeah. Niagara Nurseries, a uh, friend of mine. Can you believe, Lee, they have been in operation in the same location at the corner of St. Paul and 7th since 1926? 1926? You don't see that very often. The same business on the no. same location doing the same things. And what a great spot. It I've is. been there countless, countless numbers of times. I do want to remind you about what is coming up on the program today. We're going to bring you that shot, to, to that short video that Kevin shot of Costco as well in just uh, just a few minutes whenever we uh, have an opportunity because it's something we talked about on the phone last night. So I, I wonder what it's going to look like since the official grand opening was uh, today, yesterday. Yeah, it's today. It's I mean, the, the official about, grand opening is today. Talk about miserable timing. Yeah. Somebody called Miserable timing there in the old phone, too. But well, did uh, you get that emergency alert? Yes. Now, all right, you, you can probably find it and read it on your phone easier than I can. Yeah, I mean, here it was right here. Everybody's phones just started going berserk there. It was like about 40 minutes before airtime here. Yeah. A stay-at-home order is in effect. Only leave home for essential purposes such as food, health care, vaccines, exercise, or work. It's the law. Stay home, save lives. Learn more at Ontario.ca slash uh, COVID response. Okay, so... Slash uh, uh, vote for Ford. Yeah. Now, <laughs> but he, here's, here's something that, again, I'm sorry about trying to make sense of things. Common sense is not all that common these in these days. However, I was under the impression that the emergency, the Amber Alert... I know that said emergency alert, but isn't it the same tone, Kevin, that they use for the Amber Alert? It, it seemed to be the same. That's what I thought. I thought it was an Amber Alert going it's, on. It's, it sounded like the same tone. And I was under the impression that we couldn't use that presentation for anything else other than as a, 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 a potential kidnapping of, yeah, of children. I, I didn't think so. But... They didn't call it an Amber Alert, they called it an Emergency Alert, but used the same system with the same sound effects. Again, we're trying to use logic, and I apologize because logic is not obviously appropriate in these times. 
Kevin, coming up, I want to uh, promote this because it's a really big, big, big local story. A local success story and a local controversial story all wrapped up into one. It's, a, it's an enigma wrapped up in a conundrum. And Natalie B. Bow is going to be joining us. She is a Niagara Falls native. She is also a, an acclaimed filmmaker. Sorry, Wellen's going to get upset. She's a Wellen native. Oh, Wellen native. I'm sorry. I, I can hear the cries from here, Lee. But she, I, I apologize, Wellen. I apologize to Rose City, but great attachments to Niagara Falls because of Phil Demers, who was the whistleblower. We're talking about the documentary, The Walrus and the Whistleblower. The feature documentary that was produced by Natalie Bibot and about the whistleblower Phil Demers, who actually lives uh, in Niagara Falls, lived across from Marineland. He was the whistleblower about how animals were treated in his experience at Marineland. And here's where the connection with Niagara Falls and Natalie comes in, with apologies once again to Rose City residents, is the fact that uh, while growing up, Natalie Bebo's brother was Phil Demare's best friend. Okay, so that's that's the uh, that's the Niagara Falls Welland connection, if you will. All right. Now, Marineland has been the most controversial attraction in Niagara forever. So we're going to talk to Natalie about that. It's, she's been nominated. Uh, the film's been nominated for a couple more awards, and she's going to come up about twelve twenty or so. Now, here we are outside Costco. Uh, the old St. Catharines location. Kevin's doing his walkabout because today was the grand opening. Ordinarily at a Costco grand opening or at a Costco any regular day, you would see throngs of people lined up outside those doors. Well, this is obviously not the case. It looks uh, from the front, not exactly deserted, but certainly not busy. Now that sign there, Lee, did say max 315, 315 people. Yeah. So here you go. Here's the uh, the new Costco. Yeah, so walk Catholic. us through this, Kev. So the parking lot, first off, was not full, not anywhere close, like even to a regular Costco day. So kudos on everybody. I guess the message is getting across the stay-at-home order. And as you can see, throughout the Costco, it's not jammed. It's not chock-a-block. To Costco's credit... I saw probably four people with those buggies that are specifically there to enforce social and physical distancing. Oh, right, yeah. I saw them going around and around the aisles, just making sure that everybody was keeping their distance. Now, I didn't get a chance to, to really gauge what is on the shelves and what you can get here versus what you used to be able to get versus... Thank you, that's what I was going to ask you. There you see, that's one of the aisles that's blocked off. Right. So they've just blocked it off with skids of goods. Right. Because as part of this stay-at-home thing, even the big box stores are not supposed to sell non-food and grocery items. Okay, that's the, that's the deal. The thing that I was wondering about all along, though, was, as you alluded to there, Kev, what's the difference between this Costco so-called business center, uh, sorry about the air quotes, uh, compared to the previous consumer-focused stores. I don't know. One of, the, one of the things that I did see, Lee, was a big box of chicken breasts. So maybe that's the deal, is that you can buy boxes of about 50 or 60 chicken breasts, 
as opposed to the styrofoam wrapped See, yeah. five or ten. See, that's what I was thinking as well. For example, if and when restaurants are ever able to order food to be in operation again, will this be a really excellent center for businesses like that? Restaurants and, uh, and businesses that buy in bigger bulk than maybe you or I would. And we think we already buy in bulk when we go to a place like Costco. We call it the $250 store. But past that, I think we'll probably figure out exactly what the differences are. The other thing I noticed when I was driving by there, I think it was two days ago, is they had a line of trucks that they never had in the parking lot before. So these must be delivery vans. Uh, they're like, um, I don't know, the two-ton trucks or something. They're not. 18 wheelers, but they're big enough that they could be hauling foodstuffs and cargo and whatnot to businesses around Niagara. They're probably, they're, there was probably 20 trucks in the parking lot. So the actual nature of their business remains to be seen, but today everybody looked uh, civil and pretty much masked up from now, what Now, there's a bit I, of congestion around the checkouts. I think they could have done a better job there, but all told was not the chaos that I was expecting. I, I thought we were going to be bringing to the table today a scandalous video that was showing... Wow, you were hoping it would be scandalous. Yeah, hordes of people. This isn't, this isn't the experience at all. <laughs> no, no. So and, it's pretty uh, funny. Obvi obviously, obviously no restaurant in this one. No. And uh, pretty funny to walk at a Costco empty-handed. Don't think I've ever done that before. Yeah. yeah. Shame on you. I don't even think that's allowed in Canada. <laughs> wow. All right. So, right, so there you go. Yeah. And you can kind of see the parking lot. Like, it's not full. Of course, everybody's taking the spots that are closest to the door. But it was not difficult finding a spot. And any other day, you know, pre-shutdown, emergency break, yeah. whatever you want to call it, uh, it was tough. One of the things, though, too, is we've been kind of conditioned over the last number of months that it wasn't going to be a store for us. It was a business center. It was going to be something different so it might not have really gained the attention of the rank and file citizens of the area to show up because everybody's pretty much heading to Niagara Falls and uh, and the new location there right now these uh, beeps and signals and stuff are part of our life aren't they okay um, Natalie Bebo as I mentioned, is going to be joining us in uh, just a matter of minutes. She is a director and producer of international award-winning productions. She began her career at the CBC, producing documentary projects uh, like Eighth Fire. It was nominated for the Canadian Screen Awards, Africa on the Move. It won a Gemini for uh, the document, or if you prefer, a Gemini, Gemini, for Best Documentary Series. She was the director of CBC's seven-episode documentary, Back in Time for Dinner. Key member of the producing team for Michelle Hoser's feature film, Sugar Coated. She is a pro, has been around for a while, and has done some high, high quality work. And of course, best known to us uh, as the driving force and the producer behind the documentary uh, film, The Walrus and the Whistleblower, Niagara native, uh, success story, uh, Natalie Bebo. Hi, Natalie. Uh, are we coming through loud and clear there for you? Yes, absolutely. I can oh, see Oh, you know what I didn't do? Sorry, love. Yeah. I am uh, 
Kevin, plug yourself in. I got to plug myself in. All right. Well, hey, Natalie, it's Kevin here in the background, and later on, I'll give you the forewarning. My wife went and dug through her. Um, there we go. High school yearbooks. Uh oh. And, uh, oh yeah. and we got a good one. You know what? I mean, we could just go there right now. You're not going to be able to see it, but the okay. uh, but the audience will. Yeah. Not oh, so uh, not this, this is a uh, grade eleven. I don't think anybody knew then what a uh, what a star you would become. <laughs> And, uh, hold on. Oh, I would love to see what you're showing people. It's killing You know what? Me. It's not that bad. It's <laughs> no, not it's, that a, bad. it's a lovely picture. You're very, very, uh, very pretty. Well, thank you. You've got, uh, you, you still have the uh, long flowing uh, locks. Long, long and, uh, flowing and, uh, locks, that's right. Maybe not quite as long, but yeah. <laughs> and what was the style of the day is a choker style uh, <laughs> necklace on there. Oh, so yeah. you probably yeah. remember the picture. I do, I do, I do. It's a dark colored choker. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, and you went to uh, you went to Confederation High. Probably, uh, yeah. That's on what Thorold Road in uh, in Welland. It's on, it's on the east side. It's just yeah. off near, near Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now here, uh, let me hop in here and just wondering, uh, Natalie, were you able to go back a few years ago before they demolished the old school when they kind of had that open house and walk around and smell and breathe the hallways? I was. You know what? It was the highlight of that summer, actually, because I got to see people I hadn't seen in ages. Um, but terribly sad, too. I mean, my history with Confederation uh, goes far beyond me. My dad was a teacher there. My uh, mom had also taught there at some point. Um, I taught there. Um, and uh, my dad ended his career as the vice principal of that school. Wow. And my um, dear aunt was the secretary of that school for about 20 years so the Bebo family um, had a, has a personal history in that building that I was really sad to see uh, destroyed yeah. yeah you've got your DNA all over that place that's a that's incredible <laughs> yeah what was your catalyst into filmmaking oh that's such a good question and a great um, story I um I went to uh, McGill when I left Welland um, and uh, did a degree in Russian history and then did a graduate degree in Soviet intellectual history, which um, really has nothing to do with film. <laughs> and so, and I was really on a path to becoming a diplomat. Um, I got a job at UNESCO in Lithuania. Um, I lived there for some time and realized how uh, bureaucratic that profession was. You know, I went into it thinking that I could help save the world. And while I think some of those higher level positions do end up doing that when you're an entry level bureaucrat, you're basically going from meeting to meeting. And I just wasn't inspired. So I left um, and to my parents' great chagrin, I became a bartender in Dublin. And, That's a big uh, switch. Yeah, my parents said, oh, geez, we're so happy that we put you through all those years of university. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I had the time of my life there. And I have to say, interestingly, that I think that was the turning point for me. I think it's where I got to break off the shackles of being such a, um, a good student, sort of a, maybe a straighter person who was really concerned with optics and you know responsibility and what I should be doing in life, and actually discovered the arts and what it is I really wanted to do in life. And uh, so I dated musicians and you know had a had a wonderful time. Wound up coming back to Canada 
And long story short, I, when I decided I wanted to work in film, I started cold calling executives in Toronto and found a guy who was working at the CBC, the guy named Mark Starowitz, who was a, a legend there. And um, he gave me my first job. Um, I became his uh, assistant and he trained me to, uh, to be a filmmaker. Story so you had, no, you had no, up to this point, formal training uh, in, the, in the media or film industry? Nope, nope. That's not amazing. Not at all, not when I started, no. Nope. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, I basically learned on the job. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so, so many people back in generations long before even mine would be hired off the street or something like that to try their hand at uh, film or TV or radio or, or, or whatever it is because it was a, a fledgling embryonic kind of industry. But as years gone by, by your generation, people hardly ever broke in to an industry like, like uh, formal media, global media, without, uh, without some sort of formal training. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was very rare. And what's, what's ironic about it all is that it was my history degree that gave me the, um, the, 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 the that opened the door for me. Okay. Uh, because the series I first got hired to work on was a, a, a series about Canadian history. And so this guy who hired me um, wanted somebody who could learn quickly, but somebody who had a bit of a, an understanding for context and historical matters. And so I was able to pivot quite well into that role and then the rest of it was just learning and watching and observing and being taken on shoots I mean the very first time I was ever on a shoot if you can believe it I was in the Arctic and uh, <laughs> oh, I can so believe I, it yeah I really learned I really learned um, you know everything by by instinct and, and watching experienced people that's fascinating and where are you now are you in Montreal now I live in Montreal. Yeah, I'm actually currently on set. I, I'm working this week, but uh, but normally I would be in Montreal. Okay, where are so where are you working on set? I'm in Pickering, of all places. Pickering. <laughs> well, that's not too far. It's still still sort of GTA-ish. That's right. Metro <laughs> GTA or whatever it is, the Greater GTA. Uh, but pick a uh, pick a name. So what are you what are you filming now, or is it some sort of uh, corporate secret? It is a bit secret, but I can tell you that it's a big series for a major streamer, and I'm the series director for it. Congratulations. Thank now, you. are you entirely an independent filmmaker, as we call them today? I am, yeah. I, uh, I worked at CBC as a staff employee for 10 years, uh, and then decided to go freelance to broaden my horizons a bit and tell stories that were um, outside the possibilities of what was available to us there on the inside and yeah. um but i do a lot of work for cbc i basically pitch from the outside so everything i do is on my own but um but uh, often they are projects for uh, cbc because they're a great um uh, commissioner of documentaries well and and they have some of the resources available right. that that other organizations might not have to uh, yeah. to assist people such as yourself. What was your very first independent project and how scared were you when you started it? Yeah. Well, my very first uh, project when I left the CBC, um, I had 
a three-year-old and a one-year-old and I was really going out on a limb um, you know you have to remember I left a job that had a pension and a good salary and stability and I took this personal risk at a time in my life where I felt I could do that and um, I was um, really thrilled to fall into a group of uh, women who were older than I was um, Michelle Hoser and Janice Daw were doing a, a documentary about sugar and there was this great investigative component to it um, and some wonderful characters and these two women had um, a lot of experience and were very inspiring and so they took me under their wing and um, showed me what the independent world of filmmaking could be like and so we formed a team we made this film together um, and then I went on to do a bunch of different productions for various you know other companies um, but to be honest the very first project that I actually pitched myself and um, got sold uh, on my own and then wrote and directed and produced it and did all, all of those roles uh, was The Walrus and the Whistleblower. Well, that was a very smooth segue. Thank you for making my job easier because you got me right into the topic uh, off the bat. But I find your history as interesting as the films and documentaries that you make. Um, you've uh, just led an incredible career and again as I mentioned before how it got started was so unique for your business so first of all congratulations on on being the success that you are well done uh, now the walrus and the whistleblower uh, Phil Demers was the whistleblower worked uh, at Marineland and he was as I understand it the best friend of your brother is that correct he was. That's, oh. that is correct so you've known Phil for a long time I have, yeah. We knew each other when we were kids, uh, not very well because he was more a friend of my brother's than anything else. We ran in different uh, social circles, but um, but I do have memories of him as a, as a little guy. Okay, so, oh, and by the way, we'll talk about the nominations uh, in a bit, but Marineland itself is still, as you know, a very controversial topic here in Niagara. The founder uh, and uh, I guess visionary, for the lack of a better word, of Marineland, John Holler, passed away a couple of years ago. And a lot of us in Niagara actually expected to see Marineland shrink considerably, and I guess it has to some degree, or completely shut down. Well, that hasn't been the case. It continues to so-called operate, but uh, is also still a very, very big bone of contention here in Niagara. Probably the most controversial attraction that's ever been, uh, perhaps even in the country, let alone Niagara, and in particular Niagara Falls. So, what did, did Phil come to you, or did you go to Phil? How did this, how did this documentary come about? I went to Phil. Um, I had been following the story. Obviously, I mean, I went to Marineland as a kid, right? Like millions of others. We all did. Exactly. And, um, you know, it was with my parents, with my school, and um, I left Welland, you know, when I was a late teenager after high school and um, lived in all those places around the world, but always kept a very close connection to Welland and to my, my family who's still there um, and everything that happened there. And so, of course, when 
um, Phil uh, did his sort of flip, let's say, in the public eye from being a poster child for captivity, being known for his relationship with this walrus, to being their most vocal critic, I was watching it and thinking that would make a great story. Um, and it was about the time he did that, the very same summer that I left CBC and, and became independent. So I sort of logged it as an as a interesting little nugget, you know, the, a, the kernel of a potential story, but sat on it, didn't do anything about it for several years until um, there was a law that was proposed to ban the captivity of whales and dolphins in Canada. And that's when for me, my own personal narrative, um, my history with Phil, my history with Marineland, um, where I was from, all of that, all of a sudden this huge light bulb went off and I realized this was the story I needed to tell because it had, it came from where I came from, but it had now become this nationally relevant um, story. So I called Phil, I called various other activists, I called people who are still supportive of right. Marineland and that's how the film began. Did you write it? I did. So you you wrote it, produced it, directed it, the whole uh, sort of a one uh, one woman band kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yes. At, at the leadership, yes, I did have a producing partner named Fred Bobot, who was wonderful to work with, um, and of course, uh, you know, a wonderful uh, creative and artistic and technical team, cinematographers and sound people and all of that. Um, but the creative vision uh, was was all mine and uh, and very challenging, I have to tell you. <laughs> I'm sure. What were some? What were some of the challenges that we might not have, obviously, witnessed as as viewers of your film? Because viewers never really get a chance to see what goes on behind the scenes. Nor should we necessarily, because it sort of takes the mystery and the magic out of it. But uh, what was one of your or two of your biggest challenges with this film? I would say um, dealing. The, the the real true consequences of controversy so when you're an audience member or you read an, a, a short news report or you read a tweet you're only getting a fragment of the story you're only getting a fragment of the human emotions that are behind all of that and i think it's one of the problems of modern society is that everything has been reduced to these little snippets of sound language. bites sound bites exactly that we can't really encapsulate a full story with and so I think the biggest challenge for me was getting involved with um, Marineland though from a distance and getting involved with Phil and going home to tell a story that was so familiar while still using all of my professional muscles of you know objectivity and trying to look at the story from multiple points of view um, and some of the some of the ways in which that presented uh, itself is that like John Holder, for example, I was very, very keen to talk to him, to interview him, and not just in a, you know, let's sit down and, uh, you know, I'd like to present these allegations to you, but yeah. I really wanted to get a sense of who this guy was, yeah. who formed this legacy business that was so important to the forming of Niagara as we know it, and to also know what it felt like to be on the other side of the controversy. Like, how does it feel to be an older gentleman um, that all of a sudden has the you know much of the world sort of turn against him and to have a guy like Phil at his heels you know um, but he died w within a couple of months of me going into production um, and so I, I wasn't able to do that ever um, but dealing with that story and trying to do it justice without him um, was was a challenge yeah. um, and then of course on the flip side you know um, dealing with Phil who's had a really tough go who's had 
you know, eight or nine difficult long years um, in the public eye, but also, um, you know, in, in a war basically, right? And so there's trauma there and there are consequences for him that, that play themselves out. And um, I had to be very mindful of him and what he's all about. Um, and then the flip side, Marine Land, and try to be delicate with, with both somehow. Yeah, were you able to come away with personal perspectives in place, or did 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 part of this process that you've just kind of explained to us change you in some way? Wow, it's an interesting phrasing for the question. I mean, it did um, change me because I began with only a superficial knowledge of what had happened and you know and and, and also the controversies that uh that went on before phil you know phil is a, a a popular topic now but when you go back to the 70s and 80s like there were people protesting out there when i was a little girl um and it wasn't very popular i mean they were heavily criticized by the mainstream right. public in Niagara. But there were people who were out there saying these things. And so I came came at this story with not a lot of knowledge. And part of the gift of being a filmmaker is that you get to dive deep and you, and you get to, to really choose where it is you put your attention. And what you learn can always transform me. You know, every time I leave a project, I feel transformed. So I think um, I grew to have incredible empathy for both sides of this um, fight, to, to be honest with you, because it's gotten um, very difficult. A lot of the rank and file of us out in the world that don't live in your world, we watch movies and documentaries for information and we say, oh, isn't that interesting? And uh, wow, I didn't know that. Or gee, it was uh, great to see some background. And then we go away. And we figure that these filmmakers have, uh, well, they made a lot of money and now they're going on to their next picture. Uh, etc. And of course you do move on to do other things. But these these projects tend to, to stick with you. Has this been, and I don't mean to get too personal, but if people want to know this information, because I, I know they do, is um, has, has this been in any way financially lucrative for you? Has it been worth the effort for you? It has been um, because, um, you know, one of the um, wonderful things that doing a professional film can offer particularly when you get a broadcast license which I got is that you're paid um, a, a very decent wage let's say to make the film um, and then also you can sell the film afterwards right and so you know this film has made its way around the world it's aired at many festivals you know 20 plus festivals around the world it's widely distributed in many countries um, including the US and so all of that comes with uh, a fee and so um, so it has proven to, um, That's to good. be good for me that way, yeah. But more than anything, it's been transformational in terms of my uh, approach to work. Um, my storytelling chops have just <laughs> exploded <laughs> because of the, uh, you know, the, the, the delicacy I was talking about earlier and the, the challenges yeah. inherent in this story. I've learned a lot. And so I come away um, a different person. Like most of us in the media, we are our own worst critics. Do you look back on this film and other work that you've done and said, oh, if I were going to do this again, I would fill in the blank. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you like looking 100%. at your own work? Do you like work, looking at your own work? 
You know, it, it, I go through phases. So when a project first comes out, um, I love watching it with other people because it's like watching it all over again. Okay. Um, and so you, you, you sort of get to feel, although the pandemic has you know shifted that for me a bit. Right. Um, but um, you do get to kind of uh, renew your relationship with your work as you see it through other people, right? Yeah, so and you watch you them watching you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then I go through a phase where I'm like, oh my God, if I have to see this movie again, I'm going to die. Um, because <laughs> I, I, you start to pick it apart. You're like, why did I make that decision? Oh my God, you know? And so, uh, so I, I have gone through that. Um, but, you know, this particular story, I would say, really could have been a series. I mean, I, I did get to make two films with it, which is, again, a huge gift. Not a lot of filmmakers get two licenses. Um, one was for the feature and one was for an episode of The Nature of Things. Oh. So I could actually come at it from two different editorial angles, which presented its um, you know, challenges and rewards. Rewards really more than anything else. But there was so much material in this um, human story and the animal story that I could have done a 10 part series. So when I look at these two films, I think, ah, I would have loved to also say this or add that or anyway. But if, Well, that might, be, that, that might be something in your toolbox going forward. Mm. You never know. You might 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 want to do a re-edit. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so, uh, Natalie, tell us about the new honors that your work has been nominated for. Because there's uh, the reason we sort of were reminded that uh, we wanted to put you on the stage here this week is the fact that there's your honors are not yet done. What's what's the latest? Well, <clears throat> the latest is um, three wonderful nominations for the Canadian Screen Awards, um, which is, you know, Canada's um, Oscars. Yeah. And um, I, I've been nominated, the film's been nominated for um, Best Social and Political Documentary, uh, Best Director, and Best Editorial Research. Wow, congrats. And when are those handed out? On May 17th. And I, I, I'm assuming this will be virtual as well, because we can't gather the way we used to do for these yeah. celebrations. It's sadly, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the first time this really hit me was when the film got accepted to Hot Docs, which is a, you know, now in the top three festivals around the world. Yeah. Um, I was absolutely elated. And then, of course, all of those screenings were canceled and gone online. And then um, I actually won the Audience Award at that festival as the top Audience Award for the whole you know the whole festival and yet again the the normal process there is that you gather with all the other filmmakers yeah. and they call your name and all that and that was online and now this will be virtual too but um you know that has to that has to be one of the worst things for artists that uh regardless of their art form when you finally have an opportunity to be recognized by your peers it's so nice to be able to be recognized with them and 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 look them in the eye and they look you in the eye because so much hard work goes into things that you never get recognized for when you finally get recognized now you can't go be recognized exactly you've said it you've said it brilliantly and exactly and you know part of being a storyteller right is that we're we're kind of we're emotive um, outward looking people and so part of the reward system that we have in place is that you know, we don't typically make a lot of money, but what we do have is this 
tremendous privilege to meet pe people of all walks of life and tell their stories, um, be very creative, travel the world. And then at the end of all that, we get to sit down in a theater and as you say, look each other in the eye and clap and say bravo. Yeah. And the end of that, you know, and then you, and, and then you, you cycle through something else. But this one here feels um, unfinished. And so I'm really hoping, and actually, you know what? I'm not hoping. I am determined <laughs> that when this is over, there will be the party of parties. Of there you go. <laughs> well, put us on the invitation list. Um, uh, Natalie, be both. thank you very much. There's your applause. Uh, I know it doesn't mean much at this point, but thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your time in Pickering. I won't ask you if it has anything to, get, uh, to do with nuclear power. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, but We'll we'll wait we'll wait for the for the release. Uh, stay well, stay safe, and again, thanks for taking your time to talk with us today. Thank you very much. It's a great honor. Thank you, um, writer, co-writer, um, producer, director, filmmaker of The Walrus and The Whistleblower. Um, what a what a wonderful Niagara success story and a tribute of course to Welland and uh, all of Niagara, Natalie, Natalie Bebo. Very cool story. Kevin, I could have talked to her all day. I had so many questions I could have asked her. Yeah, but, I know. But uh, Great chat. Yeah. You can see why she's successful. Yes, but the, the total blow me away moment is when she said she just was cold calling people to get work in the arts industry somewhere. and hooked up with uh, somebody that saw some potential in her at the CBC and then she became a filmmaker after she already had the job. I'm like, just, that's, that's amazing. I'm excited that that still happens. Yeah. Like that that can still happen. That's because there's, energizing. There's so much talent. There's so much talent here in Niagara that's going to waste because the channels aren't there or yeah. we don't know how to navigate them. That's right. So it's great for Natalie that she was able to bend somebody's ear and say, I'm smart, I'm ambitious, this is what I want to do, and I'm willing to work for it. It's, it's phenomenal. I mean, that old expression of throwing, uh, throwing stuff at the wall to see if anything sticks, that's pretty much how her whole career got started, and look where she is now. Obviously an innate talent from the very, very start, but it took something to bring that out and, uh, and expand it, and then her own forcefulness to create something that she's created in her in the independent film industry that is just phenomenal thank uh, I'm just so glad we got her thanks for tracking her down Kevin that was uh, that was a good get that was fun I didn't realize that they had the pedigree that they had at Confederation High with uh, her whole family involved in that in that school my uh, my wife is Welland French, and it's a it's a fairly small community. So when the very walrus, very tight though when the walrus and the whistleblower came out, I know that uh, the French Canadian population here in Niagara was behind Natalie, behind Phil, yeah. and uh, you know what? I, I watched the documentary beginning to end, and it was pro of pro. I, I was really impressed with what came out of Niagara. Yeah, very 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 and, and high not, quality. Not surprised that she's she's going to win these awards. It's oh, I have no doubt. I'm a lover of documentaries. That's the best thing I've seen. Me too. Um, no, no, I have no doubt that uh, they'll come out on top with that. A story that happened in Niagara over this past week, a tragic story, surrounded a young man that was walking along Lakeshore Road in St. Catharines, between St. Catharines and Niagara-on-the-Lake, and was hit and it was a hit and run incident. The young man's name 
is Matthew Wilson, and unfortunately, Matthew died as a result of his injuries after being hit. This was by that vehicle Monday morning. Mon- uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I think so. Monday morning. I'll get yeah. th- I'm just getting the story up here, Lee. But yeah, it was yeah. it was tragic, and not unlike a lot of things that happened on Niagara 411. A lot of the story unfolded in the comments, including comments from Matthew's family. Yes, and we'll we'll show those in just uh, just a minute here, as soon as uh, Kevin ramps it up. Now, the other thing that we'll chat about in this is the fact that there were two men who were sort of on the scene or on the scene shortly thereafter, and assisted Matthew, or tried to assist Matthew. There it is, detectives investigating the fatality in uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake on Monday, approximately uh, 7.18 a.m. Yeah, it's at the McNabb Road. Um, It's technically Niagara-on-the-Lake, but it's very, very close to to West St. Catharines. So um, they arrived on the scene, and uh, unfortunately Matthew was deceased and there were two men that showed up on the scene shortly thereafter and i, I was reading along assist. in the comments lee along with uh, with everybody else and was surprised to see and i'll get to it here in just a second right uh this here from colleen france colleen france is uh matthew wilson's mother colleen says thank you all for your kind condolences I am the deceased man, Matthew Wilson's mother, and that's how she made herself known on Niagara 411's uh, Facebook when this day was unfolding. There she is there. That's Colleen. Yeah. Um, one cannot imagine. And, and here's what I wanted to get to as well on behalf of Colleen. She said, tonight I offer my sincerest thanks and most heartfelt gratitude to Mike and Eddie. These two men stopped to help my son, Matthew Wilson. Eddie called 911. Mike performed CPR on Matt until the EMS arrived. These men are true heroes. They tried to save my son's life. When I thanked them, Eddie said he stopped to help Matt because it was the right thing to do. The world needs more Mikes and Eddies who cared enough to help someone in need. I honor these two men with my eternal gratitude. How hard that must be for a mother to write. I want to see, I mean, this guy, Matthew, is about the same age as, as I am. I mean, there he is right there. He's about the same age as uh, one of my sons, as a matter of fact. I can't, again, we've talked about things like this before, and it's never, it's never easy. And one can never imagine, and I hope you never have to experience the loss of a child in any way, shape, or form yeah. at any age. You know, Lee, uh, my parents told me, I don't know if it's an expression that's out there, that y- you end up with the face you deserve. And I'm looking at Matt, and that's a kind soul. Yeah. And I truly subscribe to that. You know, yeah. over the course of, of this world, more often than not, you know, th- if, if the scowl lines are in your face, it's because you're scowling far too often. And I see <laughs> nothing but joy when I'm looking in this guy's eyes. Yeah, he's, uh, it, again... We don't really know the circumstances, and nor really do the circumstances at this point matter. However, the fellow that was driving the vehicle that hit Matthew did eventually turn himself in. So that's, that's a good 
thing. If you, you, you can, and again, it's so difficult to condemn anyone, and that, that always comes out on Facebook and things like this. There's the automatic knee-jerk reaction to um, want to send the, the perpetrator or the driver or whoever caused these kinds of things into purgatory at the snap of a finger, but we don't know what the circumstances were. All we know is it was tragic and will remain tragic for, for everybody involved yeah, for quite I, some time. I had a hard time just, and I didn't, I, I didn't use his name in the past tense. I said, you know, he's, he's about the same age as me. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's disheartening. Uh, Lee, listen, you're going to change speeds here. As, as people yeah. watching the program know, this is an open forum for anybody to come on the show and talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. We do have scheduled guests like Natalie Bebo, but in between those, if anybody wants to click on the link and come on the program, they can do so. And uh, that's how Derek joins us on the show right now. Derek, how are you? Great, Lee. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going very, very well. Uh, where are you calling us from today? I'm calling from my home office here, um, just off Russell Ave, so not too far from you guys still. No, not at all. Now, tell us about your fancy wallpaper that you have up there behind well, you. Well, this is my virtual, um, yeah, my virtual room today, just to show you guys uh, some of the podcast episodes that I got. So you are, you are a podcaster here in Niagara. Tell us, uh, tell us about, what's the name of your podcast, first of all? Well, the podcast is called The Deke Cast. The uh, Deke. D-E-E-K-A-S-T, The Deke Cast. Okay. Um, so yeah, I go by the name Deke. That's my DJ name, so I'm a DJ in Niagara. Um, music producer, okay. uh, graphic designer, that's kind of my thing. So uh, yeah, the show just came about from sort of boredom and it's grown into a fun conversational show. Okay, so um, as far as the podcast itself is concerned, Kevin, we have a whole pile of other wonderful faces up. We've got uh, Decatello, which is uh, the fellow we're chatting with right now. We have Frankie McDonald, and who else is on the screen? I can't see you just kind of cropped off at the edge there, but Derek, it's, it's Kevin behind the scenes here, so I'm just showing uh, the video of your latest podcast, and I see you got Frankie McDonald on. Frankie is awesome. How is he as a guest? If people don't know, Frankie McDonald is a guy that lives in the Maritimes. He's a okay. Canadian, and he does weather forecasts, and he does them with the exuberance that you've never seen before. Okay. And he's probably been at this for about 10 years. It's a passion project. Absolutely love Frankie, um, but I've never seen him do anything else other than kind of deliver these uh, emotional weather weather forecasts. So, so, Derek, tell us a little bit about Frankie. Frankie is, like you said, the man. Uh, he's awesome. Um, I just connected with him on social media. Actually, he followed me back like years ago, and then he put out a message saying he wants to do more podcasts. And so I sent him a message, and we connected. And he's got uh, a couple of friends that he's been doing streams with. Um, so he's he does a show in Hamilton on Channel 4, I believe it's called, uh, with his friend Dylan, who also has autism. Um, they interview politicians and celebrities and uh, athletes and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, their other friend Joey Only is out in BC and he's kind of a mountain man and he used to be in weather reporting as well. So they've all kind of got their own little shows going now. Oh, that's neat. Now, when you were, uh, you said you were a DJ, obviously that's a, a world that has considerably shrunk in the whole COVID thing. So this obviously grew out of you, as you said, out of boredom and needing something to do. 
Yeah, I did start the podcast a little before COVID, but uh, it's it's definitely um, been a bit more of a focus uh, during COVID. Yeah, the DJ world is uh, on pause, at, at least in Canada, mostly, right? Yeah. Uh, New Zealand is still, has, you know, parties and beach parties and all that. And even in the States, you know, a lot of places have still had full-on concerts and uh, DJ events. But yeah, it's on standstill now. Okay, how many of these have you done? You've got quite a, num- quite a number in your archive there. Yeah, I've got about 90 now, so I'm hoping I get to 100 at least, um, and maybe call that season one, so to speak. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's great, and I, I'm assuming we can find you on platforms wherever uh, podcasts are sold, or yeah, seen. it's on Spotify, iTunes, or um, yeah, YouTube for the full video format. Anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, how often does a new one come out? Usually every Sunday. Sometimes it's every other Sunday. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Derek, let me ask you a question now before we let you go. At the end of our program, we always feature a local musician and a music video. I'm running dry. You're in the scene. What video should I be playing today? And keep in mind that I like to keep it family friendly. I know there's a lot of good hip-hop guys here, but it's F-sharps all over the place. So I know I'm, I know you're on that's the spot true. here, but, uh, but but throw me something that uh, that's also got an accompanying video. Yeah, you, you did put me on the spot, but I'm going to shout out to my friend uh, Ezza, it's E-Z-Z-A, okay. and if you type that into YouTube, there is a new song, it should pop up, one of his latest videos. Ezza, where's he from? He's from St. Catharines, but he's shot a video here in uh, Niagara Falls. So is that him you might with have the... To type uh... CG. You might have to type Ezza CG, it's called Vibes Are Us. All right. Okay. Thanks Ezra, for the thanks for the chat. A video there at in Niagara Falls. Yeah. As a CG. Oh, here you go. Vibes are off. Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. You know what? We will uh, throw people just a uh, sneak peek of that now while you're talking with Lee. But this is coming yeah. up at the uh, at the end of the show. And and, and a reminder to uh, all of you having a having a view of this today that you can do just what uh, what Deke did and give us a holler and say, hey, uh, can we come in and. Uh, have a chat with you guys, uh, as Deke did, and and here we are. And I'm really glad you did. This is the way we learn about things that are going on in uh, in Niagara by Niagarans. That is very very cool. Congratulations on your enterprise. That's uh, it's neat to see. Thanks very much, and you guys too. Congrats on this show. Yeah, thanks a lot. Take care. All right, you guys too. All Take right, care. we'll see we'll see Ezra at the end of the program. All right. Yeah, give him a show. Make good. sure he, make sure he tunes in and shares. Yeah. Will do. All right, awesome. Thanks, man. That is really neat. Cool. And uh, that's what we love to do. We love to give you a platform to tell us about yourself and what you're doing because there's so many things, Kevin, that people are doing that we don't hear about. Uh, you obviously, we, we hear about the same things over and over again, you know, the COVID thing and, the, and uh, as, as tragic as it is, the businesses that crop up and that are having a tough time and those that are not having a tough time and it's that, that whole maelstrom of traditional type conversations which is wonderful to keep in touch with, but the new things, those things that are happening bubbling under the surface of public awareness here in Niagara, that's where we really want to be able to shine and give you a platform to be able to tell us about what's going on, what you're doing, and also how you feel about things. Anything that is happening on this program or has happened. Uh, Marineland, of course. Um, massive, massive topic. And of course, we talked with Natalie Bebo, the filmmaker of The Walrus and the Whistleblower, uh, about the Marineland 
experience, but it is still very much an alive topic in, in Niagara. Kevin, let me ask you this question. And it's a loaded question, and I, and I apologize for asking you this question because we didn't plan this beforehand. But it's one that I get asked and have differing opinions on depending on the day. Uh, I, I think I know. Is Kevin as handsome in person as he is on the screen? Oh, he's... It's, it's yes. Oh, oh, in okay. person? I'm glad we put that to bed. Robert Redford. Okay, so, uh, no. Animals in captivity. Is there any environment in which... It's okay. Do you are you in favor or not in favor based on whatever conditions in any way? Here's my stance, Lee. Personally, it doesn't bother me. I don't care. I think it's educational. I like being able to go to a marine land, to a zoo, and see animals in the flesh that I otherwise would have to travel to the other parts of the world or to the depths of the ocean to see. That said, if the overwhelming, not even overwhelming, if 50.1% of society feels that they should not be in captivity, I'm on board with that. Does that, does it, like, I'm not going to die on this hill. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't bother me. If society decides that we are against captivity, all right, fine, we're against captivity. One of the, one of the protest positions is one that you mentioned, and that is the educational point, the, the anti animals in captivity movement would say there is no educational value. I tend to disagree. Now when I was a kid, I didn't, all I knew about when I went to the zoo, and the zoo that we went to most often when I was a kid was the Buffalo Zoo. And uh, f for a child, for me, it was a wonderful experience. Now I did not know or think about it at the time, I wasn't as intellectually aware as, you know, kid, I was a kid. Um, how they were treated, I would only hope they were treated well, but, and I understand the cage thing. Then we also took our children to the Toronto Zoo, not too long after it actually opened. And their concept, as mo most people are aware, is animals in as close to a natural habitat for them as is possible, as opposed to caged. Yeah. Uh, which which I thought was spectacular. I'd love to hear people's opinions on this. That's what I'm kind of asking. Like I'd, I'd love to have have you click on and and have a chat with us about where you fall in this debate. And again, with Marineland, I don't know what dynamic Marineland is going to be open with. Apparently, if it were not for COVID, Marine, uh, COVID, Marineland would be operating this year. Um, uh, in what with what attractions, with what animals, in what capacity, I do not know. I'm not sure what their plans were or are. Don't know. No, know what I think would be the, uh, this would settle all debate, Lee, is if we were able to figure out what animals were real a-holes. <laughs> in our society, we're okay with locking people in jail <laughs> that contravene our laws. Well, there have to be some animals out there in the animal world that are doing nothing but stealing food and robbing cradles. Now, now that's <laughs> so let's take the bad ones that should be isolated, throw them in jail and call it a zoo. That, that is a very good satirical approach <laughs> to this topic. Only lock up the bad animals. Right, the exactly. Bad, the bad tigers, the baboon baboons. Exactly. Right? We're okay with it as humans, right? Yeah. We lock you up. Yeah. 
If you're a spitting gorilla, you go in the cave. Can't swim straight and fly right? Hey, um, speaking of that, Lee, uh, this I don't know if oh, you had a chance. Oh, we're gonna get we're we're gonna get such heat for this. I know. I don't know if you had a chance I love to, uh, to I see love this at all. What? The uh, oh. the TVO documentary. Yeah, it's thanks all for getting me out of this hole. Well, it's kind of animal related. It's supposed to mimic what it's like for a bird or an eagle to soar down the Niagara River, and TVO put it together. Yeah, tripping the Niagara. A viewing tip: uh, turn a fan on your face to really feel the wind in your feathers. Uh, Okay, now it is a rather long piece. What, three hours or something of that nature, yeah, Kevin? Yeah, three hours. Yeah, it, it might be a little much for one sitting. But here it is here from TVO. I had to fast forward it, Lee. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. It, was, it moved so slowly. I, I think okay. for residents of Niagara-on-the-Lake, it's really cool because they focus a lot on Niagara-on-the-Lake and the history. Yeah. And they go up and down some of the streets. People could probably see the homes that they grew up in or they currently live in. Uh, I'm trying to show my kids, you know, five and seven, they've got an attention span of a gnat. Um, and a three-hour long film slowly meandering its way up the Niagara River yeah. is, a, uh, is a tough one. But it was well done. Yeah, just It looks like it's one of those pieces that would be great to have on a very large screen as sort of background to whatever else is going on in the room because you could glance up every now and then and see this wonderful vista rolling out in front of you but to actually sit down in one sitting and stare at it it might be a little tedious but it looks like it was wonderfully shot it was yeah i'm more interested there's another kind of um documentary attached to this which is just the making of the film right i have to look at that i find that more compelling well uh one of the, it's one of those things that uh, if you're anywhere in the in the media as well but i guess the public uh, the general public also appreciates seeing what goes on behind the scenes i because there's i wonder how they got that shot or i am interested whatever. some of the continual shots are so long you would think the only way to do it is with a drone that's what i was thinking and yet they're shooting people, and the people don't seem to turn their heads or look at the drone. And if you've ever had a drone in front of you, those things are stinking annoying. They're loud. How? When uh, I, I actually haven't seen a lot of the video. I've seen pieces of it like you just showed, but I haven't seen a lot with people in them. I, 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 how far are the shots away? I'll try, from, I'll try and pull something up. In some cases, they go Because oftentimes, to, if they're high enough, they wouldn't even know they were there. And is it... Um, What's the park in Niagara on the Lake that's got the uh, that's got the gazebo, the famous one? Right on Queen Street there. Yeah, I, I want to call it down Shakespeare and, and what have yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well we know where we know what you're talking about. So here, let's just There you go, there's the bird again. There's the bird. <laughs> Alright, there's these guys. Obviously these guys, you know. And that's Fort George. They're there for this. Well, let's see some of the shots. Doing here. a reenactment just, at Fort George. I mean, you see, we're half an hour in here, and we're still, like, at Fort George. Oh, my goodness, TVO. Like, if you're looking to go yeah, to well. sleep one night, if you're, if you're dealing with insomnia, <laughs> insomnia this is the one. For, I mean, again, it's beautiful, but oh, my goodness. Yeah. Good, in, good oh, in chunks. Good in small pieces. But again, beautiful. I love the bird. And there they go over some of the... How do they actually keep following that damn bird? I don't know. I don't think it was the same. See, this is why I got to watch that other movie. I mean, this is cool right up to... Um, That's Brock, yeah. The Brock Monument there. Of course, at, uh, yeah. Queenston. Yeah. 
so very cool. But uh, yeah, the shot I promised you there, I, I can't seem to find it. Lee. That's all right. So much for planning. No, but drones don't make a lot of noise. Here we go. I mean, they're right up the main street there. Drones don't make a lot of noise. You could. Uh, you you could, kidding me? A lot of people walk. No, they don't make noise. Like, look at this guy here. Okay, the guy walking. He doesn't yeah. appear to be paying any attention. That doesn't even look like a. I guess it could be a drone. At this point, I was wondering, is it something attached to the top of a car, like the Google Mobile, yeah. they do the Google Maps? Yeah, there could be like a, a, a staff on top of the, on top of a vehicle with a camera on it. Yeah, but they go right down uh, Main Street here. They show the golf course. Kind of cool stat, I guess. Uh, the golf course in Niagara-on-the-Lake, I think they say in the film, it's the oldest golf course in North America. It's been around a long time, yeah. That's that's still operating like on the same parcel yep. of land? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been around a long time. There you go. Fort Mississauga. <laughs> All right. There's the go. golf course. Good yeah, thing is, Lee, well, when, uh, when you play at this golf course, only nine holes, so you score great. <laughs> when you yeah. come back, tell people you shot a 68. That's right. Yeah. And then don't tell them what you shot when you played it the second time. There you go. In the 1975. Oldest course in North America. Still located on its grounds. And uh, to come back just about full circle to where we started, this is one of those things that will not make sense to a lot of people in the fact that uh, we are in a stay at home. We, however, can go to the golf, golf courses are open, with, uh, but the clubhouses are not. Concept being, I suppose, that it's pretty easy to stay socially distanced when you're uh, when you're on a golf course. They'll have carts, I assume, uh, one per person, like they did back last year. Um, tennis courts are uh, are are still open. There are no gyms, however, or are open. You can't get together and do an outdoor group yoga, although you can go out and exercise by yourself outside and if you've had anything like the experience that I've had you've been sitting with people when you could sit with people not now uh, and and everybody's got something that doesn't make sense well why wouldn't this be the case well why why is that happening and and when this should be happening and that is what is starting well, it has been making people's heads hurt for quite some time because there is no perfect solution to this. And, of course, all the politicians are raging now in, at Queen's Park in Toronto because uh, Premier Ford said that he wasn't aware of the fact that the ICUs were getting overwhelmed until Tuesday, which then precipitated the announcement to do this stay-at-home order. And the opposition people are saying, well, that's just uh, now, it's, now it's incompetence and negligence because we knew it was happening weeks ago. And these things get politicized. And that's what makes me nuts about politics. Just once, just once, when we are facing a shared dilemma, it would be absolutely mind-bending if the, the leaders and the rank and file of all the different political stripes were able to actually sit socially distant in the same room and say, hey, we're in this together, let's, let's make it work. But that is just so non what happens in politics. 
politicians everywhere. That's why we are disillusioned by, by politicians, is because it's really easy to criticize. Kevin, the best, the easiest job in the world is to be elected uh, an opposition politician. It's easy. You wake up every morning and you sling mud at whoever's leading. It's easy. Simple job. The hard job is being the one that's in the chair that has to come out and make the decisions. No, all I, I ever want, all I ever want to do, is be an opposition politician for two terms. I get a lifetime pension. I'm good. I'll tell you, the easiest thing right now, Lee, is to be a critic of Premier Doug Ford oh, yeah. on Facebook or yep. anywhere on socials. It's, it's easy to be a critic of anybody. It's the easiest thing, and it's. I try not to criticize because there are so many factors that go into every decision that they have to take into account. And for the most part, people are, are, are basing their criticisms on, a, on what they see in front of them. Mm -hmm. like, like, that's it. They, they don't know yep. about contracts, about unions, about, um, about uh, uh, workforces, about schooling. About, like, there's so many factors at play when you go into making these decisions that we don't have to take into consideration when we say, well, it's stupid. I should be able to get my hair cut. Yeah. Well, that's about as basic as it is. I know. And, I should, yeah. It's, it's so easy for us to sit here and say, well, this is ridiculous. It's so hard to be on the other side and say, okay, what decisions need to be made and what decisions are we going to make? Reading, I, the, reading the comments, sorry to interrupt you, reading the comments on Niagara 411, it was interesting because, of course, with regard to this stay-at-home thing, the box store situation comes up. And people start ragging on that. Then someone says, perhaps... If you read the details of the announcement, you would get it in the fact that the box stores can now only sell groceries and et cetera, and those other aisles are being blocked off. It's, the, it's, it's, it's like the very frustrating thing of, uh, I know a lot of people don't use emails anymore, I still use them, but um, to, to some degree, but it used to drive me crazy when I was in business, sending out an email of the people that never ever read to the bottom of an email. And then you get questioned about what you sent out, and then I would say, well, did you read to the bottom? Oh, no, I just sort of skimmed. Well, you know, maybe if you actually read the uh, information that's out there, you might be better informed. That's very frustrating when stuff like, read to the bottom of the email, or the bottom of the post or the bottom of the announcement. How many times does a public relation or a PR announcement or a news flash come out from the Ontario government or the federal government or even Niagara region for that matter and you don't read the whole thing, you read the first paragraph. I'm so enraged at the headline. Yeah. Damn it. I can't read anymore. <laughs> I'm basing my opinion on the first sentence. I don't care what I don't care what the rest of it says. So Lee, this here is a video that I shot this morning. Yeah. Costco St. Catharines had their grand reopening as a business center this morning. And as you'll see, I pan to my right here, and you'll see these are aisles that are blocked off coming up go. right here. Yeah. So you'll see this one here, completely People blocked off. Buy that stuff. Completely blocked off. Yeah. So you can't buy a hammer and you can't buy nails and stuff. You can only buy perishables. Apparently. I was happy to see that because, you know, uh, we just said it's so easy to be critical. And that was one criticism that I thought was warranted is small businesses being left to die. Meanwhile, Costco can sell everything. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, w I was on that bandwagon myself. Why? Just, just because Costco sells uh, fruit and meat and vegetables, why should they be able to sell a light fixture? 
that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Well, that loophole, call it what you will, has apparently been plugged. And people were starting to use it as a loophole, the yep. same way that we saw, you know, film industries and documentaries being filmed in hair studios. Yeah. Kudos to them for a great effort. Uh, we saw similar businesses start to sell fruits. Yeah. And say, well, I'm a fruit stand now. Yeah. Uh, one of the, to, with, with, with apologies to the people that are employed in or managing dollar stores and things of that, of that ilk, that's, the, that's kind of the head scratcher for me was the fact that these places, because they sell something that you can eat, <laughs> you can actually go in and browse around a dollar store. Ah. Uh, Lee, back to something um, that's in the news and yes. booking your COVID-19 appointment. Uh, Nick at Niagara 411 put this up here. And before we do that, Lee, we got a very special shout out to give today. We do. To Nick's mom. Um, we know Nick is Nick. We know Niagara 411 is Niagara 411. And uh, we know Nick's mom as Nick's mom. And uh, I know she's a fan of this program, which we appreciate. And just wanted to give her a shout out and say we appreciate your support. And as long as long as we got mom on board, you know Nick's coming along for the ride. That's that's a given. So that's great. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mrs. Nick, uh, for uh, <laughs> for uh, for coming uh, coming along with us every week. It's great. Speaking of coming along with us every week, and uh, I want to talk about the COVID appointments in just a second. I want to shout out again because we've been just so uh, so involved with other things. I want to shout out to uh, Gales Gas Bars Limited Fueling Niagara and Fueling this program, our title sponsor for this show, and uh, we really, really do appreciate their participation. Gales.ca is the place to go to find out anything and everything about their business and uh, get on board with the rewards program. A lot of benefits to be had by doing by doing that also performance heating and air carlo thank you uh, zucchini and your bunch thank you so much for uh, being a part of this program and uh, supporting us and of course sean simpson at simpson's pharmasave uh, pharmacies in virgil also niagara on the lake keep checking their websites for information on covid vaccinations etc through the ontario pharmacies network and also, uh, Mark Blake Shirk and uh, their group at Verge Insurance Group. Thank you very much for being here. And uh, we're going to be speaking with uh, a member of that organization in the very near future on this Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry. And of course, we stream with Kevin Jack and his partner Brandon uh, Schramm, the technology behind this uh, wonderful, wonderful show that uh, crops up every week. What's well, going on? Uh, Lee, I emailed Sean Simpson yesterday yeah. at Simpson's Pharmacy just to find out where they sit with pharmacies administering right. vaccines. And here's what he said. He said, yes, we started vaccinating on Monday. There are 22 pharmacies in Niagara that have received vaccine. The pharmacy locations and booking information can be found here and it's the uh, COVID19Ontario.ca page. Mm. So they're all listed as a vaccine location. As of this morning, anyone aged 60 and up can also book via the public health delivered clinics and people can add their names to our waiting list at simpsonpharmacy.ca. So right. if you go to simpsonspharmacy.ca, if you live up in uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, 
might be a bit of a fast track towards getting your vaccine, or at least they'll point you in the right direction. So a uh, good uh, friend to have there. Yeah, did he happen to mention anywhere in there which vaccine that is? I'm thinking it's probably the AstraZeneca one, but I'm not sure. My guess is it would be that one just because it travels better, but right. I, I couldn't tell you conclusively. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so, yes, thank you to Gales, Performance Heating and Air, Simpsons uh, Pharmacies, and Verge Insurance for showing your faith in something new here in Niagara. And it's, it's really doing, even if I must say so myself, uh, pretty well. Our, our response every week, Kevin, from, from Niagara has been, has been brisk. It's been better than we had actually anticipated uh, in some cases. Yeah, very much so. And uh, we love doing the program. And like Derek did, we would encourage you all to come on. Believe it or not, our concept for this show is kind of um, a chat room, a meeting place. Yeah. Where all Niagarans can meet and voice their opinions on a public platform. Not for Lee and I to carry on for 90 minutes here every Thursday. Trust me, we know. We're not that interesting. You, you're interesting. People yeah. like Natalie, people like Derek, and people like you watching right now, you're interesting. Yeah. You've got a story to tell. You've got a recipe to share, and that's what we're here to do. Just whatever your opinion, maybe you saw a coyote in your backyard or you went to the new Costco like I did this morning. Especially uh, All es that stuff. Especially with this COVID-19 experience that we are all sharing. We all have reactions in different ways, and all of our lives have been altered, some significantly and others to a smaller degree, but everybody is living different lives than we were living two years ago, everybody. And this is what is also timely about what we're doing here because we can connect you. We can, whatever you're thinking you might wanna do, if there's somebody you wanna say hello to, if there's somebody somewhere across the world, across the nation, across the province, across the region, or across your city that you think you want to talk about or give kudos to or or let us know about. That's what we're here for too. So as Kevin said, it's a, it's a general sort of chat room. Think of popping by and uh, grabbing a coffee, sitting down and having a conversation. That's about all we really intended to do with this show and we end up having some conversations with some amazing people that you know and some also amazing people that you don't know but you end up knowing by the end of the day and the the we the we stream concept kevin let me give you a chance to ask how how you guys are doing i know once again we have no social gatherings we have no uh organized sports, which was at one point in time a very large part of your core business was streaming tournaments and, uh, uh, and, and minor league sports, etc. So it's been a, it sure has been a learning curve for you guys through this as well. Yeah, 100%. And I would, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of work now with uh, not-for-profits and charities. A lot of their fundraising endeavors, they just kind of shelved them in 2020, hoped that we'd be back right. to normal in 2021. 
Now they're saying, okay, this is our new normal. We need to uh, put together a hybrid event or we need to transition online. We can bring you there. So if you're involved in a corporation and you're thinking of doing something online and don't know how to do it, we're a very efficient way of getting your message across. And I mean, no better proof than what we do here every single Thursday to speak to our professionalism, the type of product that we can put yeah. forward and the type of reach uh, that we can help you with. So, And by all means, uh, if you want to chat with us off the stream, you can do that also anytime over the course of the week. All you have to do is come on to Niagara 411 and get in touch with us through Niagara 411. Put a comment in any of the posts of the content that we put up and we will get back to you to say, hey, uh, would love to come on the show and we'll get back to you and have a, have a chat about it. Or on the other hand, if you have a suggestion for someone that you think should be on the program or a topic you'd like to see us cover, throw that out there as well because we'd be we'd be happy to include your thoughts in what we do well here's a topic lee that i know is near and dear to your heart it just started today you'll probably uh groove yourself a little uh, you'll carve the couch out this afternoon yeah but, uh, day one of the masters day one of the masters they are playing it at their regular time and uh, we're we're sitting there right now with uh four or five people Tied at minus three in round one. And a, you know, it's funny, Kevin. I never thought this would be the case. Uh, but I have been much less interested in being an armchair sports fan since fans stopped being part of the broadcast, since fans started being part of the sports. I didn't expect to feel that way. But there's something, there's something weird about... Uh, watching something like that and it's golf i mean it's it's already it's already what some people call a pretty dull game like how could you think it's any more dull than it actually is for people that aren't fans of it but there's something about watching a tournament which i used to do all the time um without fans that's weird yeah, golf's already quite dull. I I'm enjoying <laughs> what I'm getting from some of the other sports because we get to see and hear some of the sounds that we otherwise wouldn't be privy to. And then, of course, as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, understanding that our kryptonite appears to be the fans. Get rid of the fans, That's all of the a sudden key. they start winning. That's the key for Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, never have fans in the, in the stands. <laughs> it seems to be. I mean, another victory last night. They're rolling them off. Jack Campbell wins 10 in a row. But you know what people always said about the Leafs? You don't have to have fans. They make so much money that they don't have to win. Because they've got all the fans, they've got all the merchandising, and they've got all the TV rights, and they've got all this stuff, um, they don't have to win. But now, now the only option is to win. <laughs> so I guess they're winning. I guess so. <laughs> uh, Lee, just want to remind you, our musical yeah. guest today, and this was brought to us by Derek, who again Enza. just clicked on the zip, uh, the Zoom link, almost said the zip link. Yeah, Ezza. And it looks like this uh, video was shot in Niagara Falls. At least that's where it begins. And right. who knows where he's going to bring us around uh, around Niagara. So yeah, that's, and we have, that's we have no idea really what to expect. No, no idea. I'm, I'm hoping that it's clean. My apologies ahead of time if there's uh, some salty language in there. I asked Eric and said, please, like, please make it clean. So Yeah, we'll I, think see, he, uh, I think he got the message. We'll yeah, find we'll it. see what comes out of that. That's all right. Uh, and, uh, and thanks to Derek for being here. And... Uh, Good luck with the Deke Cast. That's his podcast. Pops up every Sunday. It's called the Deke 
podcast and uh, looks like a, some interesting work he's doing over there. Natalie B. Beau, the uh, co-writer, the producer, the director, the driving force, uh, the, the visionary behind the documentary that told it like one man saw it at Marineland called The Walrus and the Whistleblower. Phil Demers, uh, an employee, an ex-employee of uh, Marineland. His uh, significant other also worked at M Marineland and um, he talked about the things that he experienced and, and saw and um, felt strongly about. And Natalie said herself that he sort of switched teams um, when she talked with him because he was a he was an animal in in captivity proponent at one point and then sort of completely did a, a, a turnabout over the period of his experience. They've been nominated for two new Canadian Screen Awards which is uh, our version of the of the Oscars of the Academy Awards here in Canada so uh, we're hoping uh, and we we're pretty we're pretty uh, sure that they're going to do very, very well. So Natalie Bibeau, she's in Pickering right now shooting another film and she lives uh, in Montreal but originally from Welland, one of uh, Welland's big claims to fame for sure. So thank, we thank her for being here. Uh, and to everybody that put on uh, comments and supported the family of Matthew Wilson, the young man who tragically passed as a result of a hit and run in Niagara-on-the-Lake this past week but on, uh, on Monday. Um, condolences uh, again to the friends and family of Matthew who will never be the same but uh, and to the two men who stopped kudos to um, to two good humans on yeah, the Eddie, planet here in Niagara. Eddie and Mike I think Eddie and Mike yeah. and uh, Matthew's mom said you know this world needs more Eddie and Mike's yeah uh, also want to thank Nick at 411 and the contributors, you, for um, being partners with us on this program. And of course, it, I would be giving short shrift to supporters if I didn't uh, talk about the staff and uh, the owners, Dave McPerrion and all of his staff here at Fiddler's Poor House. Unfortunately, we're the only two people that are going to be in here for a month or so. And that is, frankly, that sucks. It does. It really does. It used to be uh, hustling and bustling there for, for a yeah, month anyway. Yeah. And, and that is extended to all of the other people that run and work in facilities such as this all over Niagara, all over Ontario for that matter. It just is, I don't know, you run out of adjectives after a while, Kevin. There's nothing, there's nothing really more you can say except the whole, the whole situation sucks to our frontline workers the the ICU people the doctors and nurses you see more and more doctors being interviewed on television that look absolutely and nurses as well all the the frontline people they just look tired they just look tired physically and emotionally uh, drained hey, uh, you know what by this. Uh, teachers schools all gonna break next week and hopefully they're all going to be vaccinated in that window as well so that's one of the good things that came out is the fact that finally people are paying attention to the fact that school teachers should be designated as frontline workers and vaccinated as quickly as possible so that's a good thing a positive thing to come out of all this we were talking about uh, you put on the graphic of how to make an appointment uh, my age group finally came into the eligibility frame for scheduling 
vaccines here in Niagara. I thought uh, they were doing 80 and over for a long time, Lee. Very, very clever. Ignore him. No, he's, it wasn't that clever. It was it, just there. Ignore him. He's, it was he's just there. It he's wasn't, just was not clever. The, he's just the producer. Um, and, <laughs> but I have been trying for uh, 24 hours about every hour uh, other than while we've spent this time together going through the process of getting onto the site and then going to the calendar and there are absolutely no days available. Niagara-on-the-Lake, St. Catharines, Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Grimsby, Port Colborne, Lincoln, full. They're all telling me they're full. And this goes through, I'm not talking about next week, I'm talking about through July. And I can't believe that that is actually the case. It, it, I think it's probably something to do with the website and or the updating of the calendar or there are just too many people trying to get in. I don't know. It's all conjecture at this point. All I know is that uh, it's going to be a while, it would appear, until uh, I have an opportunity to get the shot. So there we go. I don't know if you've had an easy time of it. Um, Kevin, uh, your parents, you said they were both vaccinated, right? Yeah, neighbors vaccinated. Most of the people in the demographics, as they open up, are getting their Yeah, they live more in the eastern side of the province, right? They live Prince Edward County, Queen yeah. West way. Yeah. But uh, my in-laws got vaccinated, and they were part of, uh, you know, the new group. They got, you know, they called or did it online, what have you, and within a week, they uh, they were getting vaccinated. And that's, that's a story that I've heard, so I'm surprised to hear from you that uh, it's booked up for that's weeks my, or months. That's my experience. Yeah. That's my experience. All right, uh, again, uh, Niagara 411 Live with Lee Sterry fueled by Gales Gas Bars Limited, supported by Performance Heating and Air, Simpsons Pharmacy, Pharmacies in Virgil and Niagara on the Lake, and Verge Insurance Group, uh, a group in Niagara for Niagara, just as we are here at uh, Niagara 411 Live. We stream again, Kevin, uh, always a pleasure to work with you on this program. I think it's one of the things every week that keeps me sane, actually is seeing a living, breathing human uh, in, in, in a place other than inside my house. Yeah, no, I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, you know, we'll get, uh, we will get emails saying, uh, what are you guys doing, or, or comments, what are you guys doing uh, out there, what are you guys doing? Well, there's nobody else here but us chickens, and uh, we're, we're pretty safe, and uh, it's our job. You go to your job, perhaps, other people go to their jobs, this is where we come to do ours. And so far, we think we're keeping within the yeah, law. We'll see you next week. March break edition in April. What, whatever we want to call it. Ezza of Niagara Falls. New video coming up here to uh, play us off the stage. Have yourselves a fabulous day. Beautiful sunny day and a nice weekend. We'll catch you for episode 15 next week. Show the world is a spiritual path Try to tell my girl life's a miracle, yeah Just gotta stop and smell the miracles 
Yeah, sometimes it's scary though Just know you a 24 karat gold You reflect all the light from the sun And you liven it up every time that it comes The shine in your eyes otherwise would be nothing The mind takes light and provides it with substance Vibes are us These 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 vibes are us We're just trying to get higher up these vibes are us, and these vibes are us, and these vibes are us. Hey, no, I don't carry a pump. Hey, but that don't make me a chump. Hey, I'm doing this for the ones who always felt they were never enough. Hey, no, I don't carry a pump. Hey, but that don't make me a chump. Hey, I'm doing this for the ones who always felt they were never enough. Hey, you are enough though. Yeah, I know the universe seems cutthroat. I believe we could loosen it up. I don't know if Metamucil's enough though. It's simple, but it ain't easy. We all ESLs on an ABC, so I hate on me. Giving out this game for a free one day, you'll be thanking me. Ah, only the truth I'm providing. Ah, hope it finds you with good timing. Ah, this could be a revolution I'm aspiring, and they would probably boil it down to some looting and rioting. But they don't know we are worth our weight in gold. And we may have to stay at home. But I know we can make it though, we can make it though. Cause these vibes are us. These vibes are us, these vibes are us, these vibes are us, these vibes are us, we're just trying to get higher up. And these vibes are us, these vibes are us, these vibes are us, these vibes are us, hey.